I'm sorry, but who is David Pullman? This sort of says it all. You know, basically, you know, he just like searches up David's name and he's just like, oh, this is him. And then, of course, David's like the only guy on the Internet who's got like half of his beliefs right here. But uh, <laughs> uh, then at the very bottom, he coincidentally just leaves it in sales associate at Dillard's. And then it's like, is he is he really saying David doesn't have an opinion because he works in retail? All right, today I'm talking to YouTuber David Palmer, who caused a lot of noise in the apologetics community. He made a post criticizing a bunch of presuppositional apologists. Another YouTuber criticized it. The very popular Calvinist presuppositional apologist James White responded, essentially saying that David said doesn't matter since he's a kid because he works at Dillard's. He's got responses from Cameron Pertuzzi of Capturing Christianity, Leighton Flowers of Soteriology 101, Robert Rowe of Sentinel Apologetics, and many more. David, say welcome to everyone. Tell them who you are and how you've been the past few days. Yeah, hi everyone, and thanks for having me on, Zach. Uh, I've been busy the past couple of days. I'm uh, never been slammed with this many friend requests on uh, social media. <laughs> there you go. That's awesome, man. All right, so let's get into it. So, uh, David, can you uh, read the original post that you wrote? Yeah, and sure. Also, and also, I want to make sure you get the the original. The original emotion that you were writing when you were like man like this is gonna be a good post i'm gonna write this all right give me this hot take david all right yeah so it, it bear in mind it is a hot take right so for those who complained that there wasn't substantive oh, yeah. interaction in it this is why but yeah i wrote a hot take greg bonson wasn't a particularly brilliant or original thinker most of his ideas predate him and have been developed far more rigorously by other thinkers i would go as far as to submit to you that bonson's popularity has nothing to do with his rigor everything to do with his rhetorical capabilities i believe that his fans generally mistake his strong and confident words for sound argumentation while we're on the topic i don't think that bonson is an isolated case the calvinist community in general is easily by strong rhetoric, which tells them what they want to hear. Think of James White, Scott Oliphant, Paul Washer, Jeff Durbin, Saiten Briggenkate, etc. All of these gentlemen are, in my opinion, very shallow thinkers, and yet they are lauded by the Calvinist community. I don't say this to be demeaning towards these individuals or to Calvinists. I would simply urge those who listen to these individuals to be careful that they are not mistaking rhetoric for rigor. Awesome. All right. Now, my viewers have probably seen this name fly around, but can you tell us briefly like who Greg Bonson is and also these other guys that were mentioned in this post? Yeah, well, Greg Bonson was a um, popular presuppositional apologist, a student of Cornelius Van Til. Uh, he did a lot of debates with atheists, most uh, most famously uh, Gordon Stein. Uh, he wrote several books, uh, including this big 800-page analysis of the thought of Cornelius Van Til. And he's just widely regarded as probably the best proponent that has ever you know existed for uh presuppositional apologetics yeah. uh and he's also just kind of regarded as like this huge intellectual and calvinist presup communities which is kind of one thing that sparked the post totally. uh, james white yeah director of alpha and omega ministries uh you know is, uh talks on the dividing line every week written several books again another big name in the calvinist community scott oliphant i think teaches at uh, westminster theological seminary if i'm not mistaken uh yeah, Paul Washer, more of a famous preacher, uh, you know, has been big in like the Christian purity movement, the courtship movement. Yeah. Jeff Durbin, pastor of Apologia Church uh, and, you know, a very loyal student of James White. 
And then, of course, Saiten Brigenke, uh, you know, famous Internet apologist and uh, well, not not so much anymore um, just because of some things that have come out. But um, at least he, previously, he had been a very prominent uh, voice for presuppositionalism, did a lot of debates with atheists, Matt Dillahunty uh, and such. Yeah, yeah, they, they definitely know who Saiten is now. I've got like 17 different videos on him. But anyways. <laughs> Um, what, so what did you, at the very beginning, you say, uh, wasn't a particularly brilliant or original thinker referring to Greg Bonson. So like, what do you mean by that? Yeah. So a lot of people thought that that was intended as an insult and it's really not. So when uh, I say someone is brilliant, I'm talking like you're in the top 1% of thinkers who have ever lived, right? Or maybe the top 5% or something like that. Uh, like a very narrow slice of people who are yeah. really rigorous, really sharp, really, um, you know, have made a difference. And, um, Frankly, it's comparative. You know, I, I've read Bonson's work and I mean, I've also read people like Alvin Plantinga and Tim McGrew. And, you know, I, I read analytic philosophy almost every day. And there's just a there's a stark contrast between that and Bonson was trying to write analytic philosophy. But and, and I mean, I guess it, it would still qualify. But um, in terms of, you know, the, the amount of interaction he does with what I think are obvious objections to his arguments that he should be addressing, it's just not addressed. Uh, that's what you expect in good analytic philosophy. Uh, if somebody's really brilliant, I expect them to be interacting with their most prominent detractors. Bonson just doesn't really do that. And so that's kind of what I meant when I say he's not really particularly brilliant, even though he's held up as being like this uber intellectual, uh, that, that doesn't come out in his writings to me, uh, which is not to say he's not a smart guy. He's very clearly an intelligent person. But, you know, I, I don't I don't think he could hold uh, his own against, you know, somebody like Alvin Planting, Tim McGrew, Michael Bergman, you know, just some of the other big name philosophers of our day. I, re I really don't think that Bonson was on their level uh, as far as being original. Um, this I was actually referring to a lot of the arguments he was prone to use, particularly the problem of induction. This is like not his argument, right? This was this came from Hume. Uh, he borrowed a lot from Bertrand Russell on this. Uh, he, if I'm not mistaken, he, even Van Til might have put this forward before Bonson. And really most of his arguments he either gets from Van Til or he's developing the arguments from other thinkers. And this really shouldn't be that controversial. Um, but it, it was just a point to make that a lot of the arguments that Greg Bonson put forward were not his own. He was parroting other people's arguments. And that's not to say that there's anything wrong with that, but it should be acknowledged. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So was there something that inspired you or like, were you like reading something or writing, a, writing some other posts or whatever? And you're like, mm, you know, this seems like a good thing to talk about. Like, was there anything that inspired you? I mean, obviously, yeah, it was generally motivated by um, the way that Greg Bonson is, was talked about um, in the Calvinist community. I had probably been interacting with some people the day before online who had, you know, <laughs> for the hundredth time told me, oh, you should read Greg Bonson, right? Because oh, he gosh. just, he answered all these objections to presuppositional uh -huh. apologetics, right? Uh, I don't think it was any one particular thing. It was just a lot of uh, seeing Bonson continually lauded as being just this definitive great intellectual. Uh, I think they, like I saw one book, it was titled Greg Bonson, the man that atheists feared most, you know, and he was just <laughs> held up as like oh my gosh. the smartest man to have ever lived. And I'm just like, I'm sure he was smart. You know, I, I don't question that, but there's just, 
he, I don't think his uh, the the level of work he does is of the quality that it could survive like the sort of rigorous analysis that contemporary philosophers would subject it to. And I think it's notable he did not publish any books, you know, with um, like Oxford University Press, Cambridge University Press, Rutledge. Like these are the publishers that uh, the highest level philosophers of our day publish with. Bonson didn't get published with them. He didn't even get his work published in like academic journals and stuff. Uh, it's not discussed by contemporary philosophers. Bonson is not cited by contemporary philosophers. Uh, and, you know, those are sort of the marks of somebody who is uh, probably one of the more brilliant thinkers of our day, right? Like uh, Alvin Planting, I disagree with him on plenty of things, but he's cited everywhere. Like in almost every philosophy book I read, I can almost guarantee you Alvin Planting is going to be in there. Uh, he's somebody who has really made a difference in the face of contemporary philosophy. So most philosophers don't even know who Greg Bonson is. And uh, that is not in and of itself to say that he's not brilliant. I think his work makes that case but it is certainly something that anyone who wants to say that he was so brilliant they've definitely got to explain that how come almost nobody in academia knows who this guy is wow that's like super crazy uh so you make this post eli ayala responds he's a, he's a youtuber you know he's got thousands of followers not a ton not a huge guy but he, you know people know him in the community and he says oh bonson you know he probably uh he said he talks about Bonson and like, oh, David's obviously wrong. You know, Bonson had all this education and he had all these rewards and, you know, he knew everything. Give your thoughts on that. Uh, yeah. Well, first of all, I don't think that that was actually I don't think Eli wrote that. So I yeah, think right. uh, Paul Minata actually wrote that, who, um, well, if you know anything about Paul, he's he's not a fan of mine. But, um, yes, I think he actually wrote that post in defense of Greg Bonson, which to my mind, it looked like. The two main points were that Bonson had a lot of degrees and David Palman is not to be taken seriously. So those, yeah, those seemed like the two main points there, which, you know, I mean, it's fine. I mean, I agree with the first one. I agree that Bonson did have points. I don't think it follows from that, that he was either brilliant, original or rigorous. Um, I don't think that follows from the fact that he had degrees. Um, and, you know, whether somebody thinks I should be taken seriously or not, that's, you know, entirely up to them. I'm certainly, <laughs> I'm certainly not an academic. Uh, but I think Eli, I, if I if I heard correctly, uh, he actually asked Eli or somebody asked Eli to share that post. For one reason, I have Paul Minata blocked just because, again, I don't I don't particularly like the guy. I find him to be a little bit um, not to be insulting. I find him to be a little bit toxic and just sort of not the sort of person I like to interact with. Uh, so that's why I have him blocked. But anyway, so obviously the, the upshot of that is I wasn't going to see that post. And I think he wanted me to see it. So um, I think he asked Eli to share it. And I'm not completely sure about that, but that's, that's how <laughs> I've understood it. Uh, and so, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, Eli shared the post uh, and he since deleted it, too. And I'm not I'm not sure if you would want me to share this. But anyway, he apologized to me for the sort of storm it uh, really? caused and such. He did. Yes. Wow. So, I mean, yeah, I, I, I appreciated that. Uh, Eli did. Uh, I certainly didn't ask or expect him to, you know, delete the post. Uh, so Paul or Eli deleted it? Uh, Eli did. Really? That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, I was looking for it, and I couldn't find it, so I was a little confused by that. But that's super yeah. cool. But, I mean, at the same time, like, this is giving you a lot of a lot of press coverage. So, I mean, <laughs> I doubt you're that complaining that much. <laughs> no, I wasn't upset about it. I mean, it's interesting. A lot of people since to me have been like, oh, well, you brought this on yourself and such. And, like, I was like, I, I haven't really complained about this. Um, I haven't, like, been upset or anything. Yeah. Um, 
it's just it's kind of been I've, I've been mildly amused and entertained by um kind of how the situation just ballooned into what it did yeah totally yeah makes sense all right yeah so so you know eli makes his post and he's you know he's telling all this about david and he's saying oh greg bonson's actually a pretty cool guy and then and then james white responds he says i'm sorry but who is david palman this sort of says it all and, you know basically you know he just like searches up david's name and he's just like oh this is him and then of course david's like the only guy on the internet who's got like half of his beliefs right here but uh, <laughs> uh and then at the very bottom he coincidentally just leaves it in sales associate at dillard's and then it's like is he is he really saying david doesn't have an opinion because he works in retail yeah uh, i think it was jonathan pritchett who first kind of started criticizing um J uh james white on that front right he uh the screenshot got shared uh and yeah jonathan pritchett posted it and basically called james white out and said he didn't have any problem of course he said you know basically if i I won't use the exact words that Jonathan used, but basically if I post um, inflammatory stuff on my page, people are free to post inflammatory stuff in response. But um, he thought it was basically taking a low blow uh, or being underhanded basically to try to discredit me on the basis of where I worked. Now, initially I thought, you know, maybe, you know, that, that wasn't necessarily intentional, right? I mean, he was cropped the screenshot <laughs> down. He didn't, he didn't necessarily, maybe he didn't That's mean funny. to include the job or didn't have any implications there, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't have a problem with it. I mean, I, I do work for Dillard's, you know, I have that on my bio. It's, it, it's not like a fact that I'm ashamed of. So I wasn't like upset by this. Uh, but anyway, so Chris Day uh, privately reached out to um, James White and, uh, basically gave him the benefit of the doubt that he did not mean to basically demean me for working. In All right, hold on. I'll, I'll read from that. All right. So, well, you know, he said, he said a lot of stuff, but basically uh, something worth pointing out. He says I, to James White in a personal message, he says, I'd like to encourage you to address the fact that your screenshot from his profile includes his place of work which makes it sound like you're just missing him on the basis of what he does for a living. And then in the very end, he like says something nice, uh, you know, to be charitable, you know, assume the best in James White. Yeah, and it was surprising because uh, Chris's message to him seemed like very softly worded. Like yeah, it was totally. just, like it seemed like he was really giving him the benefit of the doubt that he didn't think that uh, James White had intended to do that. And incidentally, at first I wasn't even prepared to say that James White had intended to do that, right? I mean, uh, Obviously, you know, he did obviously have to do some effort to crop down the picture. So it did seem like he had deliberately included that. But, you know, again, I I was willing to say he, maybe he didn't mean to. Yeah, he's uh, supposed to be charitable. Right. But then he makes a post and he doubled down on it. And he was like, no, yeah, it, it's it's relevant to assessing his opinion. All right. Let's get uh, into that. Let's get into that. All right. Yeah. So we got the post here. Um, so basically got a whole long stuff. Um, basically, uh, he's just summarizing like what he was doing when he was, what David Pullman, who's that? Like out of the blue, what? After after his comment, you know, he's, he's just saying, oh, what's hot take? Uh, did I miss something? Who's this guy? And then he says, I'm not even sure what he means by some of that, referring to uh, the stuff they included in the screenshot, evidentialist, radical internalist, all this other stuff. And he says, but any man, young man who puts all this on his Facebook bio is hardly going to be in a position to provide much of a meaningful insight into the work of Greg Bonson. In fact, you would expect an evidentialist and a classical Arminian to not find a lot of helpful information in Bonson or any others listed, including myself. What are your thoughts, Dave? 
Yeah, I mean, he's right that I didn't find a whole lot of helpful information in that. But I don't, I don't think, by the way, that that necessarily has anything to do with my being an evidentialist or my being a classical Arminian. Because, I mean, I have benefited greatly from many uh, people who are in the presuppositionalist camp. Uh, you know, I've read James Anderson and Greg Welty, uh, who are probably, you know, two of the best academic presuppositionalists working today. Um, you know, I have plenty of respect for their work. I, I don't you know, often agree with what they say, but, um, you know, there's no question of the quality of their work. And I've certainly benefited from that, uh, you know, and just similarly, even like reading people like John Calvin or Francis Turretin, right? I mean, I've been able to learn things from them. Uh, Thomas Schreiner and Douglas Moo, both eminent Calvinist scholars. And I've learned, you know, quite a lot from reading uh, their work. Bruce Ware, another another Calvinist thinker who I uh, have I've really enjoyed his work. Right, and I didn't include these names, by the way, on uh, you know the the list of people that I named because I don't find them to be shallow thinkers, and I don't find them to be doing nothing more than empty rhetoric. They they do quality scholarly level work that I mean I've personally benefited from. So I mean, if James White's intention there was, and again, I'm not completely sure, but if his intention there was to say, oh, well, just because you don't agree with these beliefs, therefore you couldn't find anything of value there, that that's certainly incorrect. I do find things of value in the writings of certain presuppositionalists and certain Calvinists. But obviously I included the people in the list in the post for a reason, because I was trying to say, you know, I, I don't find these people to be particularly rigorous. And so yeah, in one sense, it's not surprising. <laughs> oh, David, 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 man. <laughs> <laughs> Too blunt. <laughs> nice, man. Uh, no, I mean, that's cool. Didn't expect that. That's cool, man. All right. Uh, so then he continues. So I did not actually, no, I wanted to add something else. Uh, so yeah, basically he was like, so, so you put your views on Facebook. So like, just because they contradict, doesn't mean that you can't have meaningful insight onto, onto like the ideas of presuppositional like obviously nobody's going to agree somebody on the other side has to at least understand it a little bit and be able to give some insight like just because he disagrees this one and then uh so anyway just to continue uh so so he says so i did not say much about the topic other than to screenshot his own description and i purposely included his own provided employment sales associate at dillard's it's relevant I saw nothing in his hot take that demonstrated the slightest meaningful knowledge of Bonson's work. And then, you know, he says some like demeaning words. And then he says, you found absolutely, he says, you found absolutely nothing that would explain why anyone, and I would mean anyone would care in the least about this. Any thoughts on that, David? Um, yeah, I mean, in one hand, I had to wonder, like, does, does he not know what a hot take is? I mean, it's meant to be a short and kind of punchy, um, you know, opinion on something. Uh, of course, you're not going to find any. I mean, it, it's been pointed out by some people like Nick, Nick Quinn, who you've had on the show that mm -hmm. um, White isn't particularly clear on what he means by meaningful, right? It, it seems to just mean anything that he doesn't agree with is not meaningful. But, um, you know, obviously, in a hot take, you're not going to find substantive interaction with Greg Bonson. Uh, and I mean, I don't necessarily expect James White to be aware of this, but like, I, it's not like I have not released an hour long video uh, going through one of the chapters in Bonson's book, Presuppositional Apologetics Stated and Defended, where I think I gave um, 
you know, a very thorough interaction with the arguments he presents in that chapter. So it's not like I haven't done my due diligence in studying what the man believed, or if you want to put it this way, like I haven't, I've earned my right to my opinion on him. I have read his work and I don't find it to be, um, you know, particularly rigorous or particularly persuasive. And I mean, again, anyone's free to disagree with that. This post was strictly my opinion, but I, uh, you know, in the sense that obviously in that post, you didn't see any substantive interaction with Greg Bonson because it's a hot take. But that doesn't mean I don't have substantive criticisms to offer. Uh, and I believe I've done so in the past. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So he continues a 20 something Armenian kid thinks Greg Bonson was not a deep thinker and is only popular for his rhetorical skills. Forgive me for not thinking he has read Bonson's work on Fantil, or if he did, that he understood it. So, like, you got that stereotypical, I mean, what we hear from James White all the time. Oh, you didn't understand Calvinism, or you don't understand presuppositionalism. And, like, you didn't even mention any of your views on it. You just said that you didn't like, like, you didn't prefer the guy. Yeah. Um, no, there were a lot of interesting things about that particular quote. Um, I'm guessing James White doesn't know who Joe Schmidt is, but if you're yeah. in the philosophy of religion groups, Joe Schmidt is, he's like, he, well, he looks like Tom Holland, so that's fine, but we, we call him the Wonder Boy, and uh, I think he's only 19 or 20, and I mean, he publishes in academic journals. Uh, I think he's just got one of his books uh, published, or he, he just signed the contract for it to get published with uh, Palgrave Macmillan, which again, that's an academic publisher. And I mean, he's like 19, 20 years old, right? He's younger than me. Uh, so, I mean, the idea that you can't, uh, and again, I'm not professing to be as smart as Joe Schmidt, clearly I'm not, but uh, the, the upshot of that is just that your age doesn't like necessarily mean that you aren't um, in a position to have engaged in academic work or uh, to be able to comprehend or understand these people. And just kind of a well, an ironic point is that James White admitted basically that he doesn't understand a lot of the terms that I use to describe myself. And I mean, I get that, right? Like maybe not everyone's familiar with terms like evidentialist or uh, internalist or uh, rationalist or foundationalist, right? But um, these are very basic terms in epistemology. So James White's not familiar with them. That's fair, right? He's not an epistemologist, so he doesn't he doesn't have to be familiar with those terms. But then he also says that, you know, forgive me for thinking that he hasn't, um, you know, read Van Til or Bonsen or, or that he hasn't understood them if he has. Uh, and it's just ironic to me is that I do know what these terms mean, right? At least well enough to assign them to myself. And that would at least suggest that I'm more familiar with the philosophical turf than James White is, right? It means I at least know enough about it to be able to identify where I fall with respect to some of these classical debates in philosophy. Uh, but yet I'm the one who supposedly isn't able to understand Van Til and Bonson, even though that's the area they, especially Bonson, that they tended to, you know, publish in. Uh, and personally, I mean, I don't find Bonson that hard to understand. Uh, Van Til can be difficult, right? He's writing in the continental tradition. Uh, he wasn't writing in English, so a lot of his works have to be translated, uh, at, le at least if I understand that correctly. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, i Bonson's very clear. He's not he's not difficult to understand. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, that was just ironic to me is that um, basically he says, I don't understand these terms, but also I'm, 
you know, but then I'm not, you know, qualified to have an opinion on it or I couldn't understand them if I'd even read them. Um, that just, I found that ironic. Yeah, totally. Yeah, totally. Uh, yeah. So he continues, I dropped the screenshot referring to the original screenshot of all David's stuff. And he says, not for this young man referring to David. He says, for I doubted he would even see it. I put it there for my fellow reform folks. Its purpose should have been obvious. Why on God's green earth are we even talking about a single paragraph that simply has no standing? It has no substance. Its author has yet to produce anything that would give him standing. And of course, my first thought is like, like, obviously they're freaking out for a reason. Like David's very popular in the presuppositional community. Like everybody knows you like on that, on those, these uh, discussion pages, like Eli Ayala obviously knows you. Like you have a YouTube video with a bunch of views. Like, like what, what is he, what is he thinking? Yeah. And I, I get it. I mean, we can forgive him for not um, being familiar with that. But uh, sure. I, I think the implication there is obviously his implication was that I'm not the sort of person um, to be taken seriously. Uh, but one of his cited reasons for this, again, was the place that I worked and my age. And those those just don't seem like relevant factors. Right. right. Like if I was making basic blunders, right, like very basic philosophical blunders or very basic uh, misunderstandings of the thought of Greg Bonson or someone, those would be legitimate grounds, I think, for saying that, okay, I'm the sort of person that's not to be taken seriously. Uh, that's not to say these sorts of considerations are completely irrelevant, right? I mean, I work at Dillard, so I know how many people there are actually like reading Greg Bonson or philosophy more generally, and it's not a whole lot, right? So, yeah. Well, what are you talking about not a whole lot? <laughs> There's got to be one. Uh, there's me, and then there's one. There's one other fellow I work with really? who's also interested in it. Uh, and anyway, awesome. that that's just at my particular location. There could know, <laughs> be more else. But yeah, I mean, the point is, it's true. Not a whole lot of you know Dillard's employees are going to yeah. uh, be interested in that. Maybe not even a whole lot of young people are going to be interested in that. So I'm not saying it's completely irrelevant information, but it's it's like anecdotal evidence because obviously there's nothing that's in. There's no logical incompatibility between somebody being young and working a retail job and also being able to understand Greg Bonson. It's not like Greg yeah. Bonson is on some tier that like is, is unreachable. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So to, to continue, he says, I do not know Mr. Pullman, but I would very strongly suggest he takes the time to track down. It is available online. So basically Bonson's final sermon. So he wants them to track down final sermon and it's titled for to me to live as Christ and to die is gain. And, you know, so it's like, you know, he's talking about something very emotional. Um, Bonson was sick and he knew he was going to die soon. So he, that's the last sermon he ever did. And he's basically just saying like, you know, to, to live as Christ and to die is gain. Like it's okay to like, I'm giving up myself for Christ and that's perfectly fine. Like that was an awesome witness, which, but it also makes me really confused. And then he's like, I would like to think that if Paulman would listen to that sermon, he might hesitate next time before giving a hot take on a departed servant of the Lord who did so much in t brief time given to him. So it's just like, what? Just because he obviously, I mean, Bonson, I mean, I don't know of anyone that would say Bonson wasn't a good Christian. I mean, I don't know. Maybe, maybe they do. I don't know. But like he did something for the Lord. Sure. Like, but does that mean that David can't say that he wasn't a good philosopher or, or wasn't a brilliant philosopher? Yeah, that was a, a very interesting part of the post. Um, it, it, it almost felt like he was trying to like make 
sort of an emotional appeal. And yeah. the logic behind it is very difficult for me to grasp. I mean, are we saying that once a person has like, you know, tragically departed? Um, and again, I, I don't want to like rejoice in that fact, not by any means. But uh, are we saying that they're somehow now immune to criticism, that we can't like engage with their intellectual ideas and judge them to be sound or unsound? just because the person is is no longer with us and they you know or the fact that they did a lot of great work for the lord so now we're not allowed to like say anything negative about you know again not not his moral character i didn't i didn't say anything like i didn't say that bonson was like a bad person or anything i'm sure he loved the lord very much um but that doesn't mean that like intellectually we can't assess his ideas and critique them I mean, this happens all the time. I mean, all the time in like academic literature, you see people interacting with like Immanuel Kant and David Hume and Rene Descartes, right? People who have long since passed away. It's perfectly legitimate to still interact with their ideas. Uh, So, I mean, I just, um, I think maybe we see what his real motivation there is that obviously he has a lot of respect for greg bonson in 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 not maybe not in an intellectual sense but in one sense i would have some respect for greg bonson as well i think you know it takes a lot of courage to go and debate atheists in the way that he did uh but again that 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 doesn't mean that doesn't make his ideas immune from criticism so i mean yeah i get that people are attached to greg bonson and i'm uh you know, I, I've acknowledged this, like even an hour long video that I did, that I know that they, you know, hold him to be very dear. And, um, you know, I'm not trying to insult him in saying this. I even said in the post, I wasn't trying to demean him. But when it really, like when push comes to shove, are his ideas any good? My own conclusion is no, they're really not. Okay, so this is a, this is a response even later after that. James White says, well, we now know why 25-year-olds associated with Trinity Seminary pop off with foolishness. Their professors cheer them on. Infantile, childish, and shameful. Adults should know better. And this is a response to Jonathan Pritchett, a who, uh, you know his position? Uh, what is he at Trinity Seminary? I want to say vice president, but I could totally be wrong it, about that. It's high up there. Whatever it is. But so, you know, it's like... It's like David Pullman has read more Bonson than 99% of James White fans. Changed my mind. This is from Pritchett. Uh, so, David, have you read more Bonson than 99% of James White fans? I don't have the exact statistics okay. um, on what his uh, what his fan base and how much Bonson that they have read. Um, I mean, I'm sure they've got a few really studious people who like go out there and read everything Bonson has read. Uh, I really doubt that's most of them. Most of them like read, you know, one, maybe two Bonson books. Um, so, I mean, I think I would say it's fair to say I've read a good amount of Bonson. I've read his introduction, Always Ready, kind of his famous presuppositional apologetics, Dated and Defended. I'm currently working through, again, his 800 analysis, his 800 page analysis of Van Til's thought. Uh, you know, several of his PDF articles that are available online that, you know, people have sent to me. I'm sure it's not everything that he ever wrote, but I think I have read a good enough amount of Bonson to have at least an informed opinion about him, even if I haven't, you know, read absolutely everything that he read. But I mean, again, I think it's kind of missing the point of the post, which, you know, Pritchett was just saying that, yeah, I have read a lot of Bonson, probably more than most of the people who are supporting James White. 
uh, and are getting enraged over this. Um, and it was just kind of interesting. Uh, first, let me he's identifying what I said uh, in the original post as foolishness, which I mean, okay, <laughs> I guess expressing your opinion on um, someone is considered foolishness, but um, but I mean, then again, he did the same thing to me. Uh, but yeah, then I guess just getting upset at, you know, Jonathan Pritchett for, I mean, disagree. I mean, Jonathan Pritchett has even said he disagreed with basically what I said in the post. Right? He likes Greg Bonson a lot more than I do. <laughs> His bigger issue has yeah. been with how White is behaving through all of this. And so it was just, it's kind of interesting. He's not so much cheering me on as I think he's just having a bit of fun with the situation. And it seems to me as if if it's really as childish and foolish as James White thinks it is, then why doesn't he ignore it? It's like, but he keeps he keeps addressing it. And so it almost seems like maybe it's not as childish and foolish as he wants to make it seem. And if it is, then basically by addressing it, it seems like he's being as childish and foolish himself. Yep, that's a little awkward. That is very awkward. But no, I mean, I, well, it was funny because like, well, for one, everyone knows Pritchett. Anyone who knows Pritchett, who he is, they know he's he's a troll in a lot of oh, regards. Yes. Oh, yes. Like, he's the bad cop of Trinity Radio. Yes, indeed. <laughs> and um, But it was, what was even funnier to me was that, like, I'm thinking about it. It's like, okay, so how many people of James White's fans are actually presuppositionalists? Like, obviously not everybody. Like, you know, probably a lot of them. But, you know, some people like him for his Calvinism. Some people like him for... Is is every every other subject he's doing, you know, Islam, Mormonism, all this other stuff. King James onlyism. Yeah, totally. And maybe you're a fan of that too. No, you're not. No, actually, that's um, I say that James White's best book is the King James Only Controversy. I was go. raised King James Only, yeah. and uh, James White's work and is some of the best out there on that issue. Um, it's just amazing to me how um, rational he seems to be on that issue. Mm -hmm. But then when it comes to Calvinism and presuppositionalism, it's like, it's like, there's just like this shift in gears and he's all of a sudden not as cool and deliberated, at least in my opinion, on those issues. Yeah. You know, that's a good point. That's a good point. I, you know? All right. So this is a bit of a, I wouldn't say a mature one, but since there's no apologetics, uh, he, his, his cover photo is pretty ridiculous. And, uh, then he, he writes, James White, hold my beer while I respond with demeaning rhetoric and ironically prove David Palman's point. <laughs> Cameron Bertuzzi says, I worked at Best Buy for several years. I guess that makes me disqualified from thinking hard about God. Sad face, sad face, sad face. And then he says, I stand with David Palman. David, do you have any favorite memes? <laughs> That was a good one. Right before the uh, broadcast, uh, Vincent Blanchard put one up in the Trinity group, uh, which is probably my favorite. Um, yeah, it uh, had a picture of uh, a guy like all in black pointing a gun at somebody and, uh, you know, a person like, like, oh, you know, like that. And so over me, it had, it had my name over the guy is like that. And it has James White's name over the guy pointing the gun. And then in the next picture, the guy uh, who, you know, had all been scared in the first picture, he pulls out a, um, I think an RPG, and it says uh, the Trinity, it says Trinity Radio fans, and it had the guy in black running off. Um, that one was uh, maybe not completely accurate, but it was, it was the funniest <laughs> one I've seen so far. Uh, that's awesome.
all right so good moving on so this this controversy this whole all the stuff going on here has uh brought up some familiar interesting people in the politics community so yeah sigar lydia mcgrew braxton hunter light and flowers robert Rowe, as we mentioned joshua swamidas and of course james white eli ayala cameron bertuzzi chris date jonathan pritchett a whole bunch of people a whole bunch of people in the projects community that they just and i don't i mean pretty much all of them are like don't don't really like what james did right yeah um and to be clear some of them have been you know less explicit about it than others like jonathan pritchett has really like been a major part of it uh nick peters has maybe just made some anecdotal posts about it uh i think robert Rowe did like one post about it uh, like even lydia mcgrew and joshua swamidas have like just made some comments about it like stating that they didn't approve you know of what James White did or something, but they haven't like themselves like necessarily gotten involved in the controversy. They've just more or less offered some commentary on it. So I mean, not not everyone has been involved to the same extent. But um, yes, I, I was actually I was just like when it first happened, I was kind of just prepared to like not touch it and let it go. And so many people got involved. Like eventually, I had to address some of the things that were going on. And you know, I shared some of the posts and things that people had made uh, in my defense. Um, but yeah, no, I, I was definitely surprised at the, the sheer number of people <laughs> that this yeah, controversy right. attracted. Uh, that's awesome. All right. Yep. So that's about it, guys. Um, David and I are going to be doing a review of the Gordon Stein, Greg Bonson debate. We were actually already planning on do it. And then coincidentally, all this craziness happened. So we're going to be doing that soon. Hope you guys enjoy. Uh, any last words, David? No, no, I appreciate you. Um, Give me the opportunity to come on and just kind of discuss the issue and hopefully that it clarified to some people who maybe you know thought i was trying to insult um people like james white and greg bonson i truly honestly what have not been trying to insult them uh, my point always has been that i don't think that they give particularly rigorous arguments and so just be careful for yourself that you are not mistaking strong rhetoric which is what you want to hear for actual sound argumentation and if you disagree with my assessment of bonson and white and the other people i named that's totally acceptable again it, it really is my opinion i've offered more detailed critiques of why i think that elsewhere but um yeah the purpose of the post wasn't to argue for that it was just to more or less try to make people more aware of that that aspect as i see well i see it as being a problem in the calvinist presuppositionalist community and as long as it's clear that that was my main point, then yeah, that, that's really um, all I needed to make clear. Oh, all right. And also, you kind of mentioned it, but I'm going to link uh, David's video, Everything Wrong with Presuppositional Apologetics, in the description. It's it's awesome video. He talks about Greg Bonson and, and the views and like why he actually, you know, basically why he doesn't prefer Greg Bonson as a philosopher. But anyways, uh, that'll be it. Thank you, David. Appreciate you. And uh, we'll see you later, bro. Oh, sure. <laughs> Thanks.